Working Blind, sharing the stories of working blind people from across the globe. Hello and welcome to Working Blind. If you wonder why the audio for this podcast sounds a bit different, it's because it does. I'm live from New College Worcester where I'm interviewing Sean Randall. Sean, thanks for joining me. You're very welcome. So, can you tell us a bit about the job you do here? It's a very strange job. Um, if I start a bit about how it started, maybe that will explain some of its strangeness. Yes. Um, I started off working here three days a week in the admin department. Um, that was filing paperwork, writing letters to the parents of the young people, um, organising events, covering reception, basic admin duties, really. Uh, that's fine, um, as far as it went. And then I moved house to be closer because travelling was a problem and then I got offered a job up in IT. So I spend half my days now supporting students with their technology. One-on-one, we do lessons on whatever tech they're using, braille notes, laptops, phones, iPods, anything really. Um, And then the other half of my day is being an IT technician, making sure that the college network runs smoothly and uh, having an input on that. And then thirdly, uh, when I've got any other free time, I also help students with career advice and coordinate things like um, access to work, assessments, and that sort of side of things. Yeah, so you're quite busy here. Very busy, <laughs> and it's very variegated as well. There's a lot of difference mm. going on. It's nice to have a structure. I've got a timetable when I teach in the mornings, but then in the afternoons are sort of a free-for-all, and you get a great variety of things. Yeah, that's cool. And you're working with all students who are blind or visually impaired in some way. Yes, so New College Worcester is primarily for students with a visual impairment. Um, we are seeing an increasing number of students with other difficulties uh, and the college is sort of adapting to that with, mm-hmm. with other initiatives. Uh, but yeah, all visually impaired in, to some degree. Most of the students I teach directly are totally blind uh, because I am myself. And we tend to find that somebody who's got no sight is, is often quite useful for teaching someone else who's got no sight. Um, our head of IT, uh, my boss, tends to handle the partially sighted students who use screen magnifiers. Uh, for the most part. Yeah, because obviously you're not a magnification user. No, exactly. I understand the basic principles, but I'm not fully as as cognizant of them as I would be of a screen reader, which is what I use day to day. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, I'm presuming you're a Brailleist as well, so you help students with that too. Yes, I've just finished my UEB online course yesterday. Oh, you've done it. I've done it, all 90 hours of it. Backbreaking. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't done it. It's on the cards, possibly, when I have... Well, 90 hours. <laughs> yeah, basically. I don't have 90 hours right now, so... I only did it, well, I did it because it was good to have, a yeah. sort of CPD thing. Mm. Um, but also, as a blind person, being qualified in Braille is quite difficult. Um, all the courses that sighted people Very use... Very challenging. ...are inaccessible. Yes. Um, and so I did some research on this, and my only option was to go and do an MVQ uh, at a residential college somewhere else. And that wasn't really an option when I was no, working. So this was the next best thing. And it was a really good course, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's good to know. Good to know that it's out there. Then. Um, and obviously, you're now, if not a teacher, you are doing a lot of teaching yes. work. So how have your experiences as a teacher differed from the kind of teaching you received as a child? Um... There is a lot more focus on technology, um, which I think is crucial. Um, part of the reason for that, I think, is that technology solves so many of our problems as blind people. Yeah. You know, if you get a letter in the post, in print, you can use technology to read it. If you want to look up your bank balance, you can use technology to do that. If you want to know what time the local supermarket shuts, you can use technology. So, so much of what I do is about helping students to empower themselves to answer those questions and find mm-hmm. solutions. 
Um, when I was at school, I had a very good supportive team around me that supported my needs. But the technology specialists only came in once or twice a month, if that. You know, so we'd be waiting a long time to find solutions to these problems. Whereas by embracing technology, not just for IT, but throughout the, the curriculum and beyond, I think that is the real milestone, that's the unique selling point of being working in the, field, in the technology field, is that you can give people answers very quickly to their problems. Yeah. A really good example for you, um, one of our students is, um, was a Braille note-taker user for a long time but wanted to move on to a laptop, but she was not a typist. She had not got any familiarity with the QWERTY keyboard layout at all. And although she was trying to learn, it was very slow going. Um, what we did in her case was provide a system whereby she could use six-key Braille input on the computer, <coughs> and that enabled her to type efficiently without needing to learn to type uh, in, in a sighted person's way. So she could combine her Braille skills with her IT laptop skills. And she now uses a laptop to do all her work, but she writes in Braille without using a separate piece of equipment. And I think that's something maybe a lot of people wouldn't think about, that these options exist for kind of flexible learning if a student you know, doesn't have a skill, but they can still make use of a computer. Yeah, I think the, the whole idea of combining methods of learning is something that, as a sighted person, you wouldn't even consider. Mm. Um, so I often, I mean, I, I use my blindness as part of my job an awful lot. Yeah. Um, it matters to the students I teach because they see me as a, a potential success in their future, I suppose. It matters to the parents because they see the potential of what their, their children could become. And it matters to my colleagues because they, I think, around corners that they maybe don't. And that seems to have a good impact. And I, I think that's quite a valuable thing. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah. And what kind of education did you have to get into this field? Okay, uh, well, I went to mainstream school. I did my GCSEs at mainstream. And then um, my A-levels at mainstream didn't work. Uh, the support levels dropped and there was a, a whole slew of changes in the support provision for blind people at mainstream colleges at that time. Um, and that didn't work. So I ended up with sort of E's and D's A-level, mm. which weren't very good. So I went to uh, RNC for two years to get better A-levels. Um, and that's a uh, college? That's a college in Hereford, yeah, for blind people. Um, I did two days, two years there. Um, although even there, um, at my interview, the expectation was I would be there for three years, um, which was my first sort of jarring note that things were different to mainstream, really. Um, yeah. Nobody at mainstream expected you to take three years to sit in a level. No, uh, only if you fail. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And it almost felt that going in, the expectation was I'd need more time, which I found a little bit disheartening. But I enjoyed my time, I got the grades... Um, and then um, I looked for work and we had a child on the way a few years later and so I started with the Open University uh, and I was able to do my degree studies from home um, between walking my, my baby daughter around the village to make her go to sleep uh, and between getting a guide dog and learning all those routes. So it yeah. really melded well with my, um, with my lifestyle. And before I even finished my degree I got offered a job here and I was able to carry on working toward that whilst working here. So That's very unorthodox, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the students here often say to me, what did you do, sir? What did you go off to uni? And I have to say, well, actually, <laughs> I did it by the back door a little bit, really. But it's another option that maybe, you know, particularly a blind person who's got a family life or, like you say, commitments, it, it shows that you can still get an education and get a job as well. Absolutely. And one of the things I recommend to some of my students that they want to take a gap year or, or not be in, in formal education uh, and so I say, look, if you're going to do that, why not have a look at the university, Open University, look at some of their free courses, um, which use the same learning platforms as the paid courses, get familiar with them. Mm. Don't rush off into studying 
you know, for a qualification that's going to mean you get lots of debt and student loans and things. Mm-hmm. But equally, don't let go completely of education. Do a 10-point module, uh, which is not too much effort yeah. compared to an A-level, you know, which is what we've done. <laughs> yeah. um, don't, don't lose those ties. Because one of the, the worst things I did was when I left college, we were looking for work and we had a job offer and it took them 10 months to work out that access to work wasn't feasible. So we spent 10 months in a holding pattern um, of basically living in a house. We were paid a low rate to keep us going um, while, you know, while they looked at the technology side of it. And that really went pear-shaped and we ended up not getting the jobs. But they offered us the jobs, they put us on the books. Oh and so we couldn't do anything for 10 months. And that, not doing anything, really did knock me for a while. And when I had to focus on studying and looking for work again, it took me a long time to sort of get back on the horse. Mm-hmm after that almost year of stagnation. So keep doing something that yeah. keeps you busy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything relevant, you know. I, it, I, if it were me over again, I would perhaps do something completely unrelated to what I wanted to study, just because it was a variety, it would be something different. Yeah, why um, not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and how do you think your blindness has affected you looking for work? I mean, now you're working in a school for blind children, so you use your blindness in your job, but when you were actually applying for jobs, did you disclose that you were blind? I always disclosed... I was blind if not on the application form, then certainly in my sort of covering letter. Mm. Um, I had this recurring sort of nightmare that I'd turn up for an interview and they would give me something to read or something to write. And if that happened, um, to my mind, the fault would have been on me for not telling them what I wanted mm. needed sooner. I know that the law says they have to make reasonable adjustments, but it's, you know, I, I applied for jobs in sort of two-man bands where a reasonable adjustment wouldn't have been able to be done in time. You know, yeah. you can't expect an office of two small people to produce you a braille copy on the spot. No. Um, and I've always felt that way. I've always felt that being upfront about my blindness is important. Mm-hmm. Um, if I ever book a taxi over the phone, I mentioned I've got a guide dog. Um, and that way, if they refuse, I've got even more justification for being angry mm-hmm. because I've already brought it up. You know, I don't see it as harming my chances. Um, a lot of my job interviews... I was told we've got somebody better qualified or we've got somebody who, who fits the bill or sometimes you haven't been shortlisted without much of a reason. Mm-hmm. And I can be pretty confident in some of those cases that a lot of the reason was that the employer thought it was more hassle to employ a blind person than a sighted person. Mm-hmm. But I honestly don't believe that disclosing my blindness earlier on made that happen any, any more often than it already did. Yeah, so if if you'd gone to an interview, they'd have drawn that conclusion anyway. Yeah, I think it's very obvious when you look at me that I can't see. I've yeah. got different colour eyes. Um, I can't control the movement of my eyes. You use a guide dog. <laughs> yeah, I use a guide dog, or I turn up with a white cane. Yeah. yeah. Or I stand alongside walls for half an hour reading the Braille on them. So, yeah. <laughs> there it's are a signs. bit of a giveaway. It is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And in your job now, you see your blindness as an asset, you say? Absolutely. Um, I used it. As an asset in my interview, all the tests I had to do for interview, I, I showed off, basically, how fast I could listen to the computer speech, how organised I was with technology. Um, they were all tools. Um, it's an asset in my job now because I work with blind young people. And, of course, it, it's, it's, a more, it's a boost for them. You know, they, they see a confidence boost when they see a blind adult working with them. Yeah, because um, for some of them, they'll have noticed it. I never did. No, I, mean, I didn't know any blind people when I was a teenager. Certainly not blind people who... Had jobs. No. Okay. And it is hard. You know, part of my career's yeah. role is to go in and say to these, these young people, look guys, it's flaming hard, you know. Mm. I think the statistics are quite bad. Uh, and, it is not, yeah. and they're shocking if you factor in Braille as well. I mean 
yeah, if you if you look at the latest statistics show, twenty five percent of blind well blind and visually impaired people are in work of working age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of working age or in work, but only ten percent of those with no functional vision. So that is something like being able to see hand movements oh, and below. So like light perception and total blindness. Only ten percent of people with our level of vision, um, of working age are have a job. Yeah. That's yeah. That's deep. That, I mean, that's awful. And of those ten percent that are employed, ninety percent are brailleists, mm. which says a lot about the need to learn braille. Absolutely. I mean, I I don't. I struggle to read braille with any speed. I've got issues with my fingers um, mm. that mean that preclude me reading fast, but that doesn't mean I can't read. You know, and I, I could, I could read braille efficiently enough for, for my job. Mm. Um, technology. And do you does, use braille sorry, in your work? Um, not every day. Mm. Um, I must admit, if I'm lecturing sometimes I use notes if I'm publicly speaking sometimes I use notes mm. um, I use print an awful lot you know I will go to the pigeonholes at work and I'll pick out stuff from the departmental pigeonhole and sort through the print stuff mm. and hand it out to my colleagues using an app on my phone That's cool. rather than expecting it to be given to me in braille yes um, I try and be a bit progressive where I can um, I haven't send an email <laughs> yeah Save some paper. Anyway. Well, yeah, paper is, is the damn. And, and it's funny because I was talking to the, my wife about it yesterday, and I was saying that um, yesterday, as a good example, I went to the printer, I'd sent a single sheet of paper to the printer, mm. and there was a handful of other people's stuff uh. on the printer. So I'd have flipped through looking for my thing. And it took me oh, three minutes, perhaps. Mm. And yet, part of me says, look, if I moan about this and I insist that the printer is kept clean, as is my right, I suppose, for efficient working, how does that deal with my popularity? You know, mm. what does that do to me? Um, I see it as it was good practice to use my phone and technology skills yeah. to, to to learn to read print because when I need to read something in a restaurant like a menu or a brochure that I've come through the door or a, stop, a street sign or anything, I've then got those skills. So everything that bothers blind people, I try and make into an exercise to improve my own skills. Yeah, and I think we can do that. You know, there's some things that fundamentally are not accessible to us and never will be but I think also there's times when um, we can learn something new and we can test a new skill and it might turn out that actually we use a piece of technology for one thing and it, it proves incredibly useful in, in a completely different application and so we've kind of learnt something new that carries across into other areas of our life yeah, so that's, often, yeah, yeah. often I mean the, the phone is such a big oh it's huge you know yeah. because I mean, how much do you do on your phone are you? <laughs> everything, you know everything yes yeah, yeah. Awful lot, and what would be if you had to kind of give some careers advice to young blind people who are looking for work, or even not to young blind people, but to but to blind people who maybe haven't had a job, or someone who's just lost their vision and is kind of coming into blindness, thinking, okay, well, what what can I do as a blind person? Not necessarily what job they should do, because that really depends on who they are. But some advice that you think can carry across to people who are either interested in your field or who are on the kind of employment train looking yeah. for work <laughs> well one of the, the key things that comes up time and again about with, with our young people here is they, they want to do things like summer jobs um, they want to not necessarily do the same sort of job I mean like for example sighted people will often stack shelves at supermarkets mm. or serve drinks or tend bar or waitress whatever you know work at McDonald's those sort of things for, for a month of work practice which is very much harder for a blind person yes um, I was very lucky as a teen. I got into writing magazine articles. I got into doing um, the speaking at sort of events, corporate events about disability. I got into answering um, technical queries on, on phone lines. Um, the sort of, the blind variant of a summer job, if you like, mm. um, using my skills in a different way. And I think one of the, the key points is 
to keep busy, be that volunteering, be that using, you know, finding a job in that vein. Writing is quite a popular one, for example. Yeah. Um, using the things you can do. So much of the time, people come into reviews and things about their progress with me, and they sit down and they, they slap themselves into a chair. And all I hear is, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I say, well, what can you do? And um, one of my interviews yesterday, I had a, a student about her progression to, to work, and she is an incredible poet, you know. She, she writes poetry in her spare time. You know? She gets stressed from exams, so she blows off steam by writing poetry. It's, it's good poetry. Um, and so we talked about the possibility of doing some, you know, self-publishing, getting mm. a, an anthology yeah. online, maybe doing, yeah. And um, it changed her attitude, literally, like flipping a switch. It was quite scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> she went from being a very mopey, typically to- teenager to, to sort of singing as she walked out of the building. Like, oh, this, this is nice. But it's all about finding the can, isn't it? I think so much of, of what we think, mm. as, as, especially if you're losing your sight, you must have this horrible weight of, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, the loss. Uh, yeah, yeah, the loss. And it is a loss. Yeah. You know, I mean, for all that sight loss is, is supposed to be a journey these days, um, it's also, for those people who've had it, a terribly, terribly Sorry. hard loss. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I was lucky to be born without any yeah, sight. Yeah, me too. Um, and I say that and people look at me like I'm an idiot. Like, no, it's yeah. but, and, and the reason for that, of course, is that the statistics have shown that people fear blindness more than cancer. Mm. It's, it's very scary. That, you know, most people really do fear going blind more than they fear dying. And that's, that's for me, I find it quite sad. I think, you know, we have to show people what, not... I'm not saying we should always educate everyone. We can't always. In terms of recording in a school, she's got a classic <laughs> bell. I mean, you know, you, we can't always be expected to educate, but I think it is important to put the message out there that blind people are productive, blind people can have this whole wealth of skills. Absolutely. Um, that it's yeah. not the end of your life. No, I mean, if, if you look at the, the statistics and the reports, blind people work in almost every sector imaginable. Yeah. You know, a blind person maybe couldn't be a surgeon, but a blind person could work be a psychiatrist yeah in, in a mental field or, yeah. or in a clerical yeah. you know there's so many so many options yeah. and, and the research opportunities for blind people are really good as well because mm. blind people have this great sort of intuitive understanding of things mm. like user interfaces yeah. um, because technology is, is an integral part of our lives so yeah there's so much out there yeah. the worst thing you can do I think is wake up one morning and think I can't do this today yeah. when the reality needs to be what can I do today well, thank you. I think this is a really positive message that will have a strong impact on people, um, whether they are blind themselves or whether they are just interested in blindness. I think it's a really good story. And um, do you have a way in which if listeners are interested in contacting you, that they can ask you any questions or about your work or anything like that? I don't know if you have public social media that you share or not. Um, probably the best thing is give, give them where we're recording is to email me at work um, give them my part of the, the work we do at the college is called outreach um, yep. which basically boils down to answering to people's questions mm-hmm. uh, so my email address for work is srandall that's all one word s-r-a-n-d-a-l-l at ncw which is short for new college worcester dot co dot uk srandall at ncw dot co dot uk and um, yeah any question any time I think is the, the the strap line we don't say no to things we, we look for solutions that's great well thank you so much for speaking to me today it's been really really it's interesting it's been my pleasure thank you for having me Holly. It's wonderful. no worries it's been great thanks for listening to Working Blind if you like the podcast please subscribe 
For more of my advocacy initiatives, including my blog, visit my website, http colon slash slash catchthesewords.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at catchthesewords. That's C-A-T-C-H-T-H-E-S-E-W-O-R-D-S. If you have any comments or feedback, please email me holly at catchthesewords.com.